guys, I'm excited about tonight. I want to welcome our Boardman campus. They're coming online right now, and hello to everyone in Boardman. Here in Warren, can we give it up for our Boardman campus? Guys, I have this privilege, it's a pleasure, just to take the first part of tonight and to share vision, and then I'm going to go so far, and then Pastor Joe Jr., he's going to take over in Boardman and finish it out, and Pastor Ryan's going to come up here and finish it out, and we have some more worship songs, but I have the privilege of just opening it up, and I am so excited about this. You know, this coming August, this coming August will be 40 years as a church, And that number is really amazing because in the Bible, 40 years is quite a demarcation. It is an amazing demarcation. And so I've been thinking about it. Our leaders, we've been thinking about it. Man, there's a lot of uh, symbolism, a lot of significance. And if you just look at the life of Moses, Moses, uh, the first 40 years, he was in he, he was in, uh, you know, Egypt. He, he was in, 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 in just living as a king. And then the next 40 years, he's on the backside of, a, of the desert, and God's using him. Um, he's using him and making him become a shepherd, and he's doing that in the natural, but God's preparing him for the last 40 years. So 40 years, 40 years, and then the last 40 years, from 80 to 120, God uses him to deliver Egypt. And it's just amazing to watch what 40 years mean. And so uh, we began to think about what does God want to do with believers? Because here I am in Boardman and Warren. I'm talking to our dream team. I'm talking to those of you uh, that are helping us uh, reach a city and see a city connected with God. And so mostly dream teamers are with us. And then we have people that are doing uh, their dream teamers too, connect groups. They're leading connect groups. Then we have some of you that help us with all our outreaches. And then we have some of you just just came. You want to hear more about our vision, and we're excited. We're excited that you're here. So uh, we know what's coming. We know something just marvelous is coming. So we're asking ourselves, where does God want to take us as a church? So about six months ago, we began to think about that and really give it a lot of thought. And that meant a lot of meetings in processing. And for those of you that know me really well, I hate meetings and uh, I hate processing. And so I'm, I'm more like a gunslinger. Just, I just want to pull out and start shooting, right? And, and, uh, and, but I knew we had to do this. But what was amazing is we found a vehicle to help us do it. And it was an amazing vehicle. And uh, we're, still, we're still working with it. But here's what happened. We would get in those meetings And guys, it was the most amazing thing. I'd walk out of those meetings and I couldn't wait for the next meeting. And I couldn't wait for the next meeting. And we're just watching God show us where he wants to take us over the next 40 years. And it's an amazing thing. Now, I I want you to know, you probably guessed, I won't be here for the whole next 40 years, right? Uh, That would put me up there to 103 or 104. But I really believe God's going to use me to get it started, right? And I'm excited about uh, the transitions that will come down the road. But here's what I'm really excited about, what God began to show us. And, you know, as we walk through COVID, as difficult as COVID was, uh, it was really difficult, and we all can look back and we remember not just to shut down. Some of us lost people we loved dearly, and we, we remember how difficult that couple years was. But for me, as I walked through COVID, uh, God also opened my eyes up to some things. It was a great opportunity for me because I realized there were a lot of people that were here 
that we hadn't discipled yet. We just hadn't gotten them to the place where they need to be. And I watched COVID knock them off the tree of God, and it grieved my heart so much. And, and it began to allow God to show me some things uh, that we were doing great things, but how can we do it even better, right? How can we take it to the next level? How can we make sure we never lose those people? Because they're not going to church somewhere else. They're not staying away because they can't come. I, I go through stores, and, 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 and guys... I'm in stores, people come up and tell me, hey, I see on TV, but other people, I see people that come to church here, but they haven't been here since COVID, and they'll just look at me, they go, I gotta get back, I gotta get back, and I say, well, man, I'll be praying for you, make sure you come back, but they just, they weren't at that level that so many of you are, so I know I'm preaching to the choir, but God wants us, the choir, to help people go to the next level, right? So we began to pray, Lord, what is it you want, want us to do, and in the new year, we'll be showing you vision that's just, I think, absolutely amazing, I think it's going to take all of us and take our valley to the next level. And it will take me to the next level, you to the next level. So I'm really excited about it. I'm going to reveal just a portion of it uh, tonight, right? And just, just a sneak preview. And it's similar, but it's different. And I want to show you what, what, what it is. And here's uh, the main conclusion we came to, guys, of where we believe God is taking us. And it goes like this. We feel God is calling us to become a multiplying movement or missional movement of disciples making disciples. And where have we been? And we've done an incredible job as a church. Um, through my messages, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always getting people to the next level, becoming disciples. But some folks need to be helped in that. They need us to help them become disciples. And I want you to hear this one more time. We're going to become a multiplying missional movement of disciples making disciples. So we, we asked ourselves, okay, five years from, from now, five years from now, where can we be? How many disciples can we make? We asked ourselves, 10 years from now, how many disciples we can make? And it's so exciting when we plotted it out and we took a look at the possibilities. And you're probably wondering, where can we be, right? I can't tell you tonight. And here's why. You probably wouldn't believe me. It's just absolutely amazing. But what we're going to do is when we reveal it and we show you the vehicles God's given us and the ideas, uh, because you know what? Culture has changed, but God has a plan to reach culture. God has a plan to reach the people of this nation. And God has a plan to reach those people that come, but they just, you know, they're coming, but they're not hooked up. They're not disciples. And God has a plan. And we have a, a plan that we're so excited about. So our goal is to just help God become, us become disciples that are making disciples, a missional movement. And I get so excited every time we go into a meeting and we spend four or five hours and we're talking about where God wants to take us. Normally that would just fry my brain. And now I'm just excited because I'm seeing what God wants to do through you and what he wants to do through me. And again, we're disciples. That's why we're here, right? The vast majority of us uh, in this place and in Borman, we're disciples. But in case there's some of you, you're here and you're not 100% sure, like, what does a disciple look like? It's a simple definition. It goes like this. A disciple defined is a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings. And again, I want to thank you guys because you are disciples of Christ. But I think you're like I am. And this is the attitude I have. And God challenges me constantly. 
I always want to take it to the next level. How about you? Do you want to take it to the next level? And I really believe the next level is God using us to help make disciples and make more and more disciples. So I'm really excited about it. And uh, so we thought about what could we title this uh, night, right? And we titled it something really cool. We went off of Jeff Foxworthy. How many of you know who Jeff Foxworthy is? He, he's the comedian, right? And a while back, he, he did... Uh, a lot of comedy where he said, you might be a redneck if, right? And if you Google it, there's thousands of little things that he said. But I like, I, like, I thought I'd share a couple of them with you. And then I'll tell you where we're going. You might be a redneck if, if, if birds are attracted to your beard. I like that one. That's pretty cool. Um, you might be a redneck if going to the bathroom at night includes finding a flashlight and shoes. That's a good one too. <laughs> How about this? You might be a redneck if your senior year of high school is the fifth grade. I like that one too, man. I like that one. And so I just get excited when I read those. I love to hear him talk about that. But here's what we want to do tonight. Uh, we want to talk about you might be a disciple if, and we just want to share five things. And I'll share the first three, and then Pastor Joe Jr.'s coming on, Pastor Ryan's coming on, and they'll close this message out. And I wanted you to hear their voices. And over in Boardman, Pastor Joe Jr. has some exciting vision to share with you. But I have this privilege of the first three. And so you might be a disciple. Here's the first one, guys. You might be a disciple if you're going. And, and that's really what God wants us disciples to be doing, to be going. We're going somewhere. There's something God wants us to do. And here's the greatest scripture Great Commission. Listen to Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice, go and make disciples. And, and for us, we may not be going to the, all over the world. We, we support missionaries. We have some missionaries to come out of here. But God wants us to do that in the valley, right? He wants us to make disciples in the valley, and we have to go. There's some things we need to do, and we've got a plan, and we're so excited about it. And so you're a disciple, but we want to help just disciple thousands and thousands of people. Uh, listen to this, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end. And you know, what's really interesting, and, and I, I know we probably shared this before in one way or another, but a recent Gallup poll shows that 95% of Christians have never led anyone to the Lord. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I have the privilege of doing it from the pulpit, right, week in and week out. But I, I can tell you it's not because of disobedience we don't do that. It's not because of disobedience. We're not helping make disciples. Disobedience has nothing to do with it. It's just that we're not sure how to do it, and we don't have confidence in the message. And I really believe that's important. You and I have to have confidence in the message. So I was recently, um, this past Tuesday, by the way, at the Franklin Graham Crusade, and I want to thank our volunteers here at the Warren campus and the Borman campus. I went there Tuesday night, and I saw tons of believers, volunteers, and some of you were there from opening at 8 a.m., and you shut it down, and others you had to work, but you came over and helped in, in the nighttime. So can we give it up for the volunteers here in Warren and in Borman? Thank them. I, I was so proud. I was so proud. And uh, so when it first started, they had uh, newsboys there, you know, and some other music, a musical guy that was really good. He was an incredible guitar player. And uh, I sat in the third row, and the first guy was great, uh, and, and he was fine as far as the music level goes and everything. But then the newsboys came out, and I had all these bass speakers in front of me. 
and I'm just three rows back, and I can take loud, but those bass speakers, they were going through my body, and I felt my organs vibrating. And I thought, this is like a microwave. They're going to cook. So I went way to the back. I just went and stood in the back. I thought, I am going to cook my organs. And so I stood in the back and just enjoyed it. It was fun. I saw tons of believers, people, and I'm talking to people everywhere and having a great time. But then when Franklin Graham came out, I went back up to the front area, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening. And I was a little bit surprised, and I'm not saying this to speak down to him. I'm going to lift him up, actually. But I was surprised. He read his sermon, and I didn't expect to see him read his sermon, but wow, was it well-written, and he's a good reader. So he did an amazing job uh, with it. But I was a little surprised because I was familiar with his father, Billy Graham, and, and Billy Graham had some notes, but uh, you, know, you wouldn't see him reading his message. And Billy Graham ministered. Did you know he ministered to over two billion people. And if you, you watch some clips from the queen recently dying and going to heaven, the queen of England, um, you found out that her and Billy Graham had a very special relationship. Every time he was in England, she wanted him to come. She was a follower of Christ, and that's pretty exciting. And she did everything she could to bring Christ into that nation. So Billy Graham was amazing. I remember we were in Bible school, and we had about 1,200 kids in chapel, and, and I'll never forget, uh, whoever was leading, they said, hey, if you met Christ through Billy Graham crusade, would you stand up? A third of our class stood up. I just want you to think about the impact this guy had. So I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to Franklin. And Franklin, his son, is one of the most amazing administrators I have ever heard, just absolutely, or watched, or, or, or seen with Samaritan's purse. He's absolutely amazing. But he just wasn't his father but I'm sitting there, there's about 5,000 people's my guess, and I'm watching and I'm listening. But here's what blew my mind. When he said, not raise your hand, he said, stand up. I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people stand. And I just smiled and I thought, you know what? There's something he had. It was enthusiasm, it was passion. And even though he wasn't at the level of his dad, because he was speaking the truth and he was speaking the gospel, God was able to do amazing things through him. And sometimes we don't realize how powerful the word of God is and how powerful our message is. We don't realize how powerful the commands of Jesus is and the teachings of Jesus. And man, guys, when those things begin to come out of our mouth. We don't have to be professional like Billy. We don't even have to be at the level of Franklin. We just have to let the word of God come out of our mouth and let the message of God come out of our mouth. And God will work on the people's hearts. And we can take thousands and thousands of people and bring them into a place of discipleship. And again, I think passion is the key. So my son, Pastor Joe Jr., he shared a video with me. He said, Dad, we should show this uh, on team night. He said, it just shows having passion. And they call it the, the corn evangelist. And how many of you have seen the corn evangelist? It's this cute young man. He is so cute. And he loves corn. And here's what I want you to think about. And it has to be on the cob, and he loves it. But I want you to think about this. As you watch it, I'm showing it for a specific reason. I want you to think, what if we love Jesus that much? And I know we love him, right? But I don't know about you. I remember back when I first met Jesus, I didn't know a thing, but I, I led so many people to the Lord and I influenced and impacted so many people's lives. You know, I, I was just excited about Jesus. And I really think this video does something that's really, really special. So it's just a, it's just a minute. But again, I want you to watch it thinking, what if I was that passionate about Jesus? And then I'll come back on. So let's, let's enjoy the video. 
What do you like about corn? Ever since I, I was told that corn was real, it tasted good. Did you think corn wasn't real? But when I tried it with butter, everything changed. I love corn. Mmm, corn. Do you think everyone should be eating corn? No, not everyone has to like it to be the best. Yeah. Everyone just has to try it. Have a bite. What else are your favorite things? I play a variety of games. Hide and seek, hag, Neville Lava Monster. Yeah, mostly cold. I mean, then look at this then. I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. It's corn! It's corn! Because corn is awesome! Can you describe corn to someone who's never tasted it before? A big lump with knobs. It has the juice. It's the part that mostly makes me like the corn. How much do you think corn should cost? One dollar. I hope you really have a corn-tastic day. A corn-tastic day? What? It's just a pun about corn. <laughs> if you or anyone loves corn, if you come to me, I can tell you all about it. Do you like corn? No. Have you ever had corn before? No. You give it up for this young man. I'll tell you what, this is a true story. I watched this, you know, just to see if I wanted to fit it into the message. And I was amazed at how much he loved corn. But here's what, what happened. I couldn't stop thinking of corn. And uh, not in a bag, not frozen. It had to be on the cob. And so I watched it. And a couple days later, uh, this past Tuesday, I'm in an all-day retreat. And uh, uh, they asked me... Uh, Back in, in, in December, they asked me if I would uh, sit on the executive board of the Youngstown Warren Chamber. They've never had a pastor on that board ever. And so they asked me to sit on it. And I felt, you know what? I feel God's made me for such a time as this. So I was excited. And this past Tuesday, we had the regional or the yearly retreat. And so we're in meetings all day long. And it was so fun. But that night, a guy in Canfield opened up his home and we went to his house to eat. And I'm going to look at what's there. And they catered it. And there's chicken, barbecued chicken, barbecued ribs, and then there's mac and cheese. And I stayed away from that because it makes me congested, right? But, but then it was corn on the cob. And my mouth began to water. I am, I am not jiving. And uh, I just said, I can't wait to eat this corn. He, this kid's made me think about corn. Now, guys, corn does not have the anointing on it, right? It's not the word of God. It's not the words of Jesus. It's not all that anointed, but guys, his passion made me want corn. And I really believe God's wanting us to come up to, to another level. And so many of you have this passion. But even myself, I have this passion. But I really believe God wants me to take it to the next level in my life. And God wants us to come to this level where people get around us and they just want what we have, right? Because we're passionate. And if someone can be passionate about corn and make me want corn, and that's all I'm thinking about, corn, and I'm not really a big corn fan, but I want some corn, what can we do with Jesus and the power of that anointing, right? So it's interesting. There's something about passion. There's something about an organic movement of God. And that's what we're praying for for the next 40 years, for this thing to turn organic. And I think about uh, Jesus had 12. And then it turns into 144. 
Then it turns into 3,000. Then it goes up to 5,000. And do you know it went up to millions after that? And they say the church at Ephesus, minimum, minimum attendance at the church of Ephesus was a million people way back in Bible days. And it went to millions and millions. But it was these 12 unlearned men. And some of them were learned, but most of them weren't. Most of them were fishermen and you know, uh, just did things that had nothing to do with God, did not have formal training. But God... They just took a hold of his passion, and God changed the world. And I really believe we've done an incredible job. I am so thankful for the job and for what God's done through believers, what he's done through you guys, and where he's taken us. But I'm really excited about where we're heading. And uh, Pastor Joe Jr. was telling me about a girl, a young lady at the Borman campus, and she made this her goal. Her goal is to invite someone to church every week. And so here she is wanting to invite someone to church and she's doing it, but she had a couple down weeks where nobody would come and she was feeling a little down, but she told Pastor Joe Jr., she said, you know what? I just stuck with it. And she said, uh, it, this just happened now a couple weeks ago. She brought someone to church and they were so impacted by church that they literally signed up for growth track and, and they signed up for a connect group. And she was so elated. And I want to thank her for having that passion. And I'm just praying, God, take me up to that level. God, take all of us up to that level, right? So we might be a, a, a disciple if we're going. And many of us are going, but I believe God wants to take us to the next level. Here's the second one. And, and I really like this one. You might be a disciple if you're failing. And did you know that's a sign of a disciple? Uh, the Bible says a righteous person can fall seven times, but they keep getting up. So it's not about failing. It's about, are you getting up? Disciples get back up, right? But disciples fail. And I was trying to think of my early days. I met Jesus at 19, but it, it was just a, a like two months from my birthday. And, and, and then I was 20. And I remember as a 20-year-old Christian and a 21-year-old Christian, I just passionately began to follow Jesus. I'm like a lot of you. I didn't even need someone to tell me. I just did it. But most people aren't like us, right? They need someone to help them become a disciple. That's why we want to become a missional movement of disciples making disciples. But I struggled with so many things. And you know what? I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm not ashamed anymore because I, I, I overcame it. But I had a tremendous problem with anger and with cussing. And I just struggled with getting angry and cussing. So one minute I'm inviting someone to church, the next minute I'm angry and cussing. And, uh, and, and then I would, I remember when it first happened, I would say, God, I must not have gotten saved. I must, I must need to meet Jesus again. And I kept going back to meet Jesus. Like, Jesus, I guess it didn't catch. I, I need more of you, Jesus. And so I went months and years doing that. And then I just realized God opened up my eyes one day, go, Joe, you're going to grow out of that. But what makes you a disciple is you keep going. And all of us in this room, we have some areas where we can become better, right? We can grow further. But here's the thing. The very fact that you know it means you're a disciple. The very fact that you want to become better means you're a disciple. The very fact that you keep getting up and you keep following God means you're a disciple. And it's amazing to watch. I look back at my 40 plus years as a Christian and I just watch. And I am thankful to tell you, I'm not becoming angry and cussing anymore. Guys, can we give it up for me? I'm not cussing anymore. I got over it, right? I got through it. Tons of things I struggled with. And you know what? To this day, there's still some things I'm trying to grow out of. We're all trying to grow out of things. And you know what? What's important is 
if you're a disciple, you're failing. And that means that's good because you know that you're failing and you're going to walk through it and you're going to go to the next level. So I wanted to encourage you with that one. And, and this next one's really important too. You might be a disciple if you say, I can worship anywhere, anyway. And that is important. I like to say it this way. It's not about my preference, but it's about his presence. And I think most of you are like me, right? It's not about my preference, but it's about his presence. And we come to a place to where we realize it's all about hungering for God's presence through the word of God that we read, through the word of God that we hear, and through the worship of God. And I know we're people of his presence, but God had to really work with me in this area. But I'll tell you a funny story. Um, there are guys in the church here, they will text me and say, are you preaching this weekend? And if I say no, they don't come to church. And, uh, and so I tease them. I say, guys, you need to come to church. Well, I just want to hear you. And th there's a carnal part of me just for a second that's kind of flattered, like, ooh, I'm just great. And, and, uh, but then I realize I'm not. And, and, uh, and, and I realize, oh, man, I need to help them get to the next level, right? Because, guys, here's what I learned. When I was a young Christian, I would go to these meetings, you know, and I would always try to go one or two big meetings a year. Even as a pastor, I would try to do that in the early days, and I looked to see who was speaking. And if it was someone I, I didn't know or didn't like, I just would stay home for that meeting. And, uh, and then I'd go to another one, right? And Gina would get on my case. You need to go to all the meetings and say, well, I like this speaker. I don't like that speaker. And this speaker really ministered to me. That speaker doesn't minister to me. And, and so God had to really deal with my heart. And I remember when I had a heart change and I just realized, you know what? It's, it's not the speaker. It's me. And it's what I'm pulling off of them. And it's the word of God. And, and it amazed me. I can go to any meeting, hear any speaker, and it amazes me what I'm able to receive as I listen to the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is our true teacher, right? And he's opening up our hearts and opening up our eyes. So I came to a place where I realized, guys, it's all about not my preference, but it's all about his presence. And it changed my life. I'll tell you another story. And this, I had to grow in this area too. Uh, this has been happening here at Believers for years, but our worship leaders would send me new songs they want to do. And years ago, I'd hear the new songs and I'd shoot a bunch of them down. I'd say, I don't like this one. I don't like that one. And then they'd say, why? I go, I just don't like the style. Don't like the style. And, uh, and so I was just thinking that was my job and that's what I should do. And uh, God really dealt with me strongly. And, and yet I said, God, you don't understand. The music that I got saved with, that's the, that's the music. The music that we worshiped with in the glory years, that's the worship music. And, that's, and, and, I, and so I would shoot all these songs down and God dealt with me and he said, I want you to start accepting those songs and I want you to begin to worship to them. And the most crazy thing happened to me because I realized as a disciple, it's not about my preference, it's about his presence. And I began to worship to these songs that had some different styles than I grew up on. And I thought my music was the anointed music, right? And my style was the anointed style. And, and I'd begin to listen to these songs and it was amazing what God did in my life and how they ministered to me. And then I fell in love with these songs. It's amazing. And so now they're on my playlist in Spotify. So now I realize I can worship to any song. It just doesn't matter because it's about his presence. And all I care about is worshiping God and, and just thanking God for everything. So now when they send me songs, I'm looking for one thing. Here's what I look for. Every song they send me, 
Is it scriptural? And so I know enough of the Bible to ask, is it scriptural? And these guys already know that they're sending me, every song they send me is scriptural, but that's all I look at anymore because I've fallen in love with every style because guys, when it comes to being a disciple, it's not about our preference, but it's about his presence. And I think the majority of you are there and I wanna encourage you, but you know what's gonna happen as we walk in to next year and we begin to become this missional movement of disciples making disciples. God's gonna use you to help some others and you're gonna minister to some others and you're gonna be able to tell them stories like I tell you and say, you know what? This isn't about your preference. This is about his presence. And if you begin to draw on the presence of God, can we all agree God changes us and God ministers life to us? And I'm amazed when I walk out of our worship services, I'm amazed when I walk out of uh, messages where I'm not preaching. I'm amazed at what God shows me. It's an absolutely amazing thing. So I've shared three out of the five guys, but now we're going to move to another level because these two young uh, pastors, they are incredible communicators. So Borman, you're going you're gonna to move off the stream. Pastor Joe Jr. is coming, and then he's going to share some really cool campus vision, but he's going to finish up the lesson there. Pastor Ryan's coming here to finish up the message. And so as we make that change in Borman here in Warren, can we give it up for these young pastors that do just an absolutely incredible job? Hey, and I, I didn't plan to do this, but I do think, man, you know, thinking about Vision Night, what God's been doing over 40 years and how we're getting ready for the next, it, it all starts with what God is doing in Pastor Joe and Gina. And, you know, um, getting to work alongside of them up close and personal, I want to know, I want you to know, the first thing I, I noticed right away was just healthy. Every, it just felt healthy to come to church here, to be a part of church here. And, uh, and that all starts with them. And so can we just take a moment as a church and thank them for their leadership? You guys are awesome. And um, yeah, like that just doesn't happen by accident. So that's all. I, today, as we're giving us a kind of a glimpse into, we're, we're not really unveiling everything, but we're looking at where are we going? Where are we headed? Um, I, I, tonight, I want to just finish with two heart positions that I think we're going to have to commit to at a new level in order for us to actually see the things come to pass that really I can tell you, I think they're going to make God's dreams come true. I really think that there's some ways that we're going to stretch and, and collectively move together to really uh, see this city connected with God, see this region connected with God. And the first uh, one that I want to get into, number four, is you might be a disciple if you're committed to community. This is a big deal, and this is something that you guys have done so well, but I think it's something we're gonna have to collectively make a commitment to do together, really to one another. You know, when you think about the word Jesus chose for church, ecclesia, ecclesia, I don't know how you say it, but when you think about the word Jesus chose, he didn't choose something that represented a building, he didn't choose something that represented a tabernacle of God's presence. You know what he chose? He chose a Roman word, that represented, it was this idea of ecclesia was this gathering of people that no matter where they were on planet earth, if two or three Romans got together and they could be in Greece, they could be anywhere. If two or three Romans gathered together, they were ecclesia, they were Rome right there. And in the same way, Jesus chose that word to define his church. It would be a gathering of people that wherever they are, heaven is there. And that's what I think we're gonna to have to commit to. And I, I used to think, oh yeah, church is not the building, it's me. And then I realized, no, church is not me, church is us. It's a gathering. It's, it's the moments where we come together. Look at what the early church did in Acts chapter two, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So we have a big gathering, a big church, a big worship service. 
They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. These are your small groups, your home groups, your, your, your chances, your foodies group, right? This is where people were sharing life together, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I think it's just so crucial to understand that all of us, if we have the heart of making disciples, we're gonna wanna be those people that see people added to, to the number daily. We wanna see more and more people come to know Jesus. Wouldn't that make a difference in our world? But I want us to understand that the breeding ground for a move of God is community. It really is a commitment to one another. And I, when I think about commitment, there's a, I actually wanna make sure I get his name right. Uh, his name is Big Nut. <laughs> Anybody ever heard of Big Nut? Uh, he's this giant Ohio State fan. Uh, and so this guy is insane. He's one of those people that spends his entire time thinking about how can I show my fandom and passion for Ohio State football? And uh, <laughs> some of you guys have met this person. You have, you know, you shook his hand. You didn't wash it ever since. You know, this is a, this is a celebrity in Columbus. And, and, and this guy's so passionate. I mean, every waking day, every moment. It's just thinking about how can I, how can I just follow with greater commitment to Ohio State? In fact, they love this guy's passion so much that they actually fly him to away games uh, because he brings Ohio State wherever he goes, right? And man, if, if someone could be this passionate about football, if someone could be that passionate about corn, if they could be passionate about these things, how much more as believers could we make a commitment and be passionate about one another? But let me just say this, that when we commit to one another, we are committing to pain but we are also committing to growth. And, and I think about this, you know, I was thinking about when I first felt the call of God on my life toward giving my life toward leadership. And, and I, I gotta be honest with you, there was not one piece of me that wanted any bit of it. All I wanted to do was write songs and, um, you know, make, maybe speak, you know, I, I liked doing that. That never bothered me. It was never an issue for me. But the idea of leading people was the most intimidating responsibility that could ever have. I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I, I wanted none of the pressure. I wanted none of the people. And yet what I realized is the same thing I've realized in parenting is that it's not just that I love it, I needed it. Because what, who was I to speak a message? Who was I to have a message to say worth hearing if I didn't love people? And I wanna tell you that if you make the decision to commit to people, if you make the decision to commit to community, we all love the idea of community, but we don't always love the idea of commitment to community because that truly is committing to pain. It is commuting, committing to those moments where it's uncomfortable community, where someone challenges you and you have to grow if you're gonna stay together. But as Pastor Daniel Grothy shared with us a couple of weeks ago, people are the great purifier. And this is where we know we're gonna to have to get, we're gonna to have to get to that place of uncomfortable commitment to one another. But this is really what Jesus said. He said, your love for one another will show the world you are my disciples. And so I, I was thinking about this. I was across the table with someone just a few weeks ago who had gone through incredible loss over the last few months even. And uh, one of the things that it's done for them is it's made them, it made it very difficult for them to come to church. They, they lost someone they were very close to that came to this church that they were, that was in their family. And it was just this heartbreaking moment for them. And I remember I was sitting across the table and he said, my doubts about God and about all of this are just, they make it so tough. But every time we come in those doors, I just, it's just so hard for me when I hear worship and I, this is what my dad used to, you know, this is what he used to do. And and I remember sitting across from him thinking, yeah, this is the most painful aspect of your life right now is to kind of face those, 
places of pain, but I wanna tell you that you're setting yourself up because you're building your life on the solid rock. You're setting yourself up to get through this. And we know this, that it's not enough to build for when, to build uh, protection when the storm's on its way. We gotta do it in advance. And so guys, we're gonna have to commit to community. We know we're disciples when we commit to community. The final one is, is this, we know we're disciples. You're gonna be, you know, you might be a disciple if you've moved from me to we. And there was this phrase that really kind of got lodged in my heart many years ago, which is that we is better than me. We is greater than me. And if you've ever been on a great team, one thing you'll know is it takes great individual talent who are willing to submit to a greater purpose. And yet there's a tension inside of all of us, right? That there's this tension feeling like, yeah, we is great, except when it gets on me nerves, you know? Like we is great, except when it, it's not how I want things. And I love how the Apostle Paul talks about this because this is really what he gets after many times when he talks about this idea of moving from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, right? He talks about moving from milk to meat. And he says, there's so many great things in the meat I wanna give you, but I gotta give you the milk because you've never matured. And there's a couple of things that I think about as a parent of, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I think about this when I'm you know, at the dinner table with them because my three-year-old and one-year-old have very different goals than Kristen and I when we're eating dinner, okay? <laughs> and so when I think about a baby, one thing I think about So if I pass out, I need a medic up here in the front, Carol. Will you get, okay. I think I have about uh, three and a half minutes before this completely cuts off all circulation. So I'm gonna speak fast. Um, <laughs> this is what so many of us are like when we first get saved, right? Because my kid at dinner time, I'm just, the main thing I want for them is just to get more food in their mouth than on their body. That's just the main goal I have for them. But their life is completely consumed with themselves. And you know what? That's okay. They're not asking mom and dad, mom and dad, you know, would you want me to make the green beans tonight? You know, mom and dad, do you want me to clean the table after this? No, literally they just pour stuff on the table and then just spread it out. And it's like that oatmeal, do you know how that dries? I mean, you know, this is, this is our life. And yet, you know what they do bring? They bring life, they bring joy, they bring curiosity, they bring discovery. This is what we expect of them. And you know what? We never wanna have a church without spiritual babies. We never do. We never wanna have a church without some people wearing some bibs. Because you know what? We want those people who just the newness of their life in Christ, it's a little bit messy and they don't have it all figured out and it's a little bit focused on me. But you know what? That just means that God's been transforming their life. And that was all of us, right? I mean, this is how all of us have come into the kingdom. But there comes a point. Thank God, there comes a point. Hold on. Okay. There comes a point where babies wear bibs, but adults wear aprons. And if you look at at the scriptures of what Paul was writing about, look, or look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5, and all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. John 3, 13, three through six, Jesus knew that the father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe and put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. There comes a moment where we gotta turn into the big chef. 
There comes a moment where we have to take on this attitude of, you know what, I am here to serve. And by the way, I'm staring at a group of people who have made this decision time and time and time and time again. But there has to even, I I really believe we're gonna have to take it to another level. And here's even a a nuance of how I think this is gonna have to look as we move forward is, we're gonna have to stop thinking about Believer's Church as them versus me. I, I, I get compliments or some of our staff will get compliments at times like, man, you guys do a great job with service. You guys, man, you guys, you guys do a great job with church, man. You know, I'll talk to people in the community. They say, man, you guys are great. And you know what I can tell? First of all, I'm always thankful that they, they think those things. But the second thing I can tell is there's something inside of them that sees us as the them and not an us. And there's something, maybe sometimes it's, they feel like, oh, this is corporate. This is Believer's Church corporate. So we got your paid professionals over here. They're the staff. They're the ones that got it all. That's them. Great job. They're the ones that do, do the work. But I, I just want to tell you, until that becomes an us, until you realize that every member is a minister and every member is called to ministry, regardless of whether you're working as a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, whatever your calling is, you are called to ministry. Until you start seeing Believer's Church as an us and not just an organization with a corporation, but a community and an organism, we will never become the church God has called us to be. We will never reach the people we're called to reach because they're not looking for another institution that is all about getting their own. They're looking for an institution that can bring them into the us. And that's what we gotta do. We gotta make a decision to not just fall into the corporate CEO traps of thinking, oh, these are the professionals. I'm just gonna kind of sit back and enjoy and enjoy it inconvenience. No, we've gotta be a church that says, no, this is my problem. Why? Because when you feel like it's an us, our problem becomes our problem. It doesn't just say, oh, that's their problem. Their problem becomes my problem. And so that's who we have to be as a church. So I wanna pass it back off to Pastor Joe here, but guys, these are what we're called to. We know we're called to community. We know we're called to being a church that moves from me to we. Awesome. Let's give it up, Pastor Ron. I'm okay. <laughs> that was awesome. It's awesome. We have incredible communicators here. And you know, we have two more songs. We're gonna worship God with these songs in just a moment. But... I'm excited. Again, I want to thank all of you for what you do, but I'm really excited about where God's going to take all of us together, where he's going to take us and what he wants us to do. Because there's a valley, guys, full of people. Many of them know Christ but aren't walking with him. And I know God's going to keep bringing them in our doors like he always has, but we're going to grab them at a level we've never grabbed them before, and we're going to turn them into these incredible things called disciples. And we're going to be that missional movement of disciples making disciples. And I really believe that churches all over the country, this, God's beginning to deal with them as they go forward to come up to this next level, because this is the biblical level. This is how they did it in the Bible days. And so you're there. You're where you need to be. I'm where I need to be. But I'm just always asking God, can you take me to the next level? Will you take me to the next level? And can we just have a moment of prayer before we worship? And can we bow our heads? Can we close our eyes? Have this moment of prayer. And God, we heard so many awesome things this evening. And I thank you for everyone hearing my voice. And Lord, there's some, uh, you know, they came, they wanted to just hear. They're, 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 they're not 
yet serving or, or disciples, Lord, and following you at the level you've called them to follow. But I thank you that this is a night where they can commit. And if you're listening, you say, that's me. And you say, I want to go to that next level. I, I want to become a disciple that makes disciples. And I want to become a person that's passionately following Jesus and finding out what he taught and putting it into practice in my life. But then I want to help others become that. And so for the rest of us, like myself and the majority of us in this room, Lord, here's our heart's prayer. First of all, we just dedicate ourselves to you. We thank you. Many have been part of believers from the beginning. Many have been part of believers for decades. Many have come on recently, Lord, but we're disciples. We love you. And we just ask you, Lord, as we make a commitment, we ask you to grow us and take us to the next level. Father, not as an organization or a corporation, but Father, as a group of people, passionate followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we, we just bow our hearts to you. We say, Lord, just speak to us and grow us as we walk out of this place tonight. And Lord, I pray your blessings on these incredible people, Lord. They're absolutely amazing. And Lord, here's our heart's prayer. Open up our eyes further than they've ever been open. Give us the grace. Give us the ability to walk out what you've called us to walk out. And Father, I really was struck by what Ryan said because I wouldn't even know it if he didn't say it. But Lord... He talked about the love you gave him for people and how awkward he was for people. And Lord, all of us right now, that's our heart's cry. Give us a love for people. Give us a love like Jesus has for people. Take us to the next level in this area of growth, Lord God. And we thank you so much for it. 